Check, check, check. Check, check. Check, check. Check, check. <laughs> this week's support for the fine print with Attorney Jen Route comes from Thrivent Financial. For more than 100 years, Thrivent has offered financial guidance about saving, spending, and sharing. Thrivent helps more than 2.3 million member owners be wise with money through its broad range of products and services, including life insurance, annuities, and mutual funds. To learn more about what makes Thrivent unique, contact John Grolo, FIC Financial Associate, at 614-567-7141. And now, The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. As always, is my loving sidekick, Ben Needenthal. Loving. I like that. I'll take loving. It's Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. In fact, uh, here's a Valentine for you. Oh, look at that. I know, right? Roses are red, butter on toast. I'm happy to be your podcast (laughs) (laughs) co-host. Look at him. He's all sorts of creative. Look yep. at that. The, the creative juices were flowing this morning. Aww. What can I say? So, <laughs> I, and I actually have another Valentine here for our guest who's in the room. Aww. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Mr. John Grolo. Hey, everybody. John, here's a, here's a Valentine for you, sir. Aw. Roses are red. Race cars are fast. Thank you for sponsoring our little podcast. <laughs> you're so welcome. You are, yeah, you're awesome. Thank Look you. Look at that. Thank you. So, so and uh, yeah, welcome to the fine print. And uh, I guess let's kind of dive into it. It's Valentine's Day, but we're not really talking Valentine's law or anything like that. We're kind of talking what are the best things to do with your tax return, right? Right. So this actually can, this does tie into law because a lot of people around this time of year are looking at starting companies or investing or doing their estate plans or any number of things. And all of that really takes into consideration your whole financial picture. So there's lots of options um, depending on debt and everything else, like paying off debt or negotiating debt down or then paying your attorney to do your LLC and all of that. Mm, okay. So it depends on the situation. Okay. All right. Well, so I guess that's probably why we have John here. So Th- That is. John, what do I do with my tax return? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Um, Good talk. (laughs) So uh, the problem with tax returns we run into is, number one, everyone assumes they're going to get one. Uh Um, And, oh, first and foremost, let me say I am not a CPA. I do not provide tax advice. Please consult your CPA. Right. But so everyone believes they're going to get a tax return. Uh, Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's larger. Sometimes it's smaller. What you should do with your tax return really depends on your individual goals. What I run into all the time is like, hey, we're getting a tax return. We're going on vacation. And I'm like, I thought you were dying to pay off that credit card. Yeah. Um, A lot of business owners, this runs into business owners all the time. Like uh, I can think of like landscapers, contractors, stuff like that. They have seasonal work. They're super busy. They're not busy. And a lot of times with them, I'm like, how about we just put your tax return in an account and you can pay yourself the three months you're super, super slow. Yeah. yeah that's so, a good idea. 
it's really one of those, there's a million different things you can do with it, but it's about achieving your goals, you know. And the retail stores know it right now, you know, President's Day, what kind of sales are coming up. Sure. Um, we just had, you know, all the mattress sales, stuff like that. Hey, what do you know? A mattress costs the same as your tax return suddenly yeah. somehow. So you've got to buy that new shiny thing that you never thought about. Instead of saving for the future, paying off debt. Yeah. What not? What else you could always yeah. do? Yeah. Spring Jam is also huge for the video game industry. A lot of new games start coming out in the springtime and movies and whatnot, too. So, right. yeah. It's, it's, it's also the time a lot of people catch up their attorney bill. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Side note. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little behind, this is the best time yes. to yes. catch up and get ahead, If you, especially if you're fighting um, custody battles or things where you can't predict how much it will cost because right. it depends on how reasonable or unreasonable the other side is. Right. Right. So, like, I think it's a good idea to kind of talk through some various options depending on what you're trying to create. Mm -hmm. So, first up um, is obviously the paying off debt. Because yeah. Always a good idea. Right. Let's not go blow $3,000 tax return and... Uh, then next thing you know, you still have your $3,000 credit card at 28% sure. interest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not a good idea. Right. Um, it, and paying off debt's always a big one. It's very popular. I know we had the bankruptcy episode not long ago. Right. Um, and really, there's a couple trains of thought when it comes to paying off debt. And believe it or not, the majority of individuals, I was just reading this article, it popped up on my Google because once in a while, you know, maybe I look at some financial stuff so it trends for me. Um, and it was something like 70% of people don't pay off their debt in the most efficient manner. Um, when you've got multiple pieces of debt, people like to put a little extra towards everything. Yes. And that really isn't going to serve you in a couple different ways because it's going to take longer to pay off everything, or if something should happen to you, now you've got to cover more bills because you still have more. Where really when we talk about paying debt, it's about whatever you can liquidate the fastest or mm -hmm. has the highest interest rate. If you're not going after the highest interest rate, what you really have to make sure you do is that you do what's called a debt snowball where mm -hmm. you take one bill, add it to the next after it's paid off. Because really then what you're doing is you're averaging all your interest rates and all your payments together. Yeah. And it's – it. You're not actually conducting debt consolidation, but because you're accumulating all the assets in one pile, it works similarly. Mm -hmm. So tax returns are great opportunities to hit that one huge high thing yeah. that you can get rid of totally yeah. so that bill is gone and put that card away. Don't pull it back out. Yeah. Um, Shred it, punch holes in it, get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean. Put it in a nice block in the freezer so if you yeah. want to use it, you've got to really want to use it. Yeah. Yeah, you have plenty of time to think again. <laughs> actually put it in an ice block in the freezer. All right. That's, I've actually heard that numerous times. You've got to take it out, let it thaw. Huh. And I've never thought of that before, but that's that would definitely work, yeah. And the problem we so have you nowadays. you have time to second-guess yourself. Like, why am I doing this? Right. Put You've it back got in the freezer. Apple pay. Yeah. Your spouse walks in. Why is the credit card on the yeah. uh, shelf, Ben? <laughs> well, this game came out. And <sighs> she picks it up, puts yeah. it back in the freezer, and now you've got to start yeah. all over again. Yep, there you mm. go. Yeah. Got it. When do you know when to save versus pay off debt? Or should you do both? Or how does that work? Like, what what are the things you need to 
analyze to make that decision. Right. And so that, again, is a very personal decision for many people. Um, Kind of the traditional trains of thought are when your interest rates on your debt exceed your earnings. Um, So, for instance, we talk about historic market returns, 7%. You can certainly get more. You can certainly get less. People were seeing an excess of 20% last year. Um, But when you have a 29% credit card or a 19% credit card, you should probably be liquidating those things before you pay off, before you do additional savings. The catch-22 is, of course, you know, the rule of 72 or how long it takes money to double uh, interest rate or rate of return divided by 72. So typical market conditions, every 10 years, your money doubles. Yeah. Saving starting young has a huge, huge, huge impact. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when it comes to like student loans, auto loans, mortgages, mm-hmm. we want to balance those things out. We definitely want to get rid of, especially the student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, but quite often it rarely makes sense to pay off a mortgage before, um, saving for retirement, other goals, long-term goals. I'm not, you know, short-term typically all the time people come in, they say, Hey, I have $10,000 in the bank and I have $7,000 in credit card debt. And we talk about the purpose of what the savings is for, Mm -hmm. you know, do you have money it needs to go for what? No, it's just sitting there for a rainy day. I'm like, great. So you're earning 0.1, 0.2% interest on that $10,000. You're paying 20% on that $7,000. Mm-hmm. let us keep some money in savings because there's things when emergency arises you can't put on a credit card. Yeah, Most people can't put their rent on a credit card. They can't put their life insurance on a credit card. There's certain things you can't put on a credit card sure. if you lose income. But there's so much else. It's like, well, what if I need breaks? Well, just swipe your card at the mechanic and... Now you have, you know, $200 at 20% instead of 7000 Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of balancing priorities and yeah. maximizing yeah. what works for you. Well, Eric just chimed in. Uh, he says that he's planning on paying off his truck and getting rid of his largest debt with the highest interest rate, which frees up that allotment of money so he can pay off the rest of his debt within a few months. Sounds like a pretty solid plan to me. Absolutely. That's that's really a big thing. It's a lot of people, highest debt, uh, largest debt, highest interest rate there you see for Eric. And then, like he said, it frees up the money so he can pay the debt off. So really, he's looking to increase cash flow more than likely. Hmm. You know, should something happen, should there be less work? He now has smaller amounts of fixed bills that have to be paid, that minimum payment. Yeah. What about things like medical bills or an IRS lien? Like, where does that come in as far as choosing which to pay off? You have this credit card versus IRS. IRS has a lower interest rate, generally speaking, if you're on a payment plan. But if you mess that up, there can be much higher consequences than missing a Capital One payment. Yeah, and it's, again, it's a... You know, famous words from my industry, it depends on the individual. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. Case hasn't, and anyone hasn't noticed, uh, real estate, law, financial world, accounting, it all, it depends. (laughs) I feel like if that's sort of the standard answer for whatever industry you're talking about, then that's why you need to hire an expert in that industry. If 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 the answer depends on what the situation is, that's what you need to bring into somebody else. Yeah, probably a good idea. Just an observation, I guess. 
And so talking about medical bills, IRS, credit card payments, a lot of time with medical bills, especially if we're struggling to pay our debts, Mm. and this is the difference, if we're struggling to pay our debts, medical bills can be typically negotiated. You make good faith payments. You're paying all you can. And this is, again, something on an individual basis you can work out with uh, your hospital or whoever's charging you. Quite often you can call and negotiate with them to say, look, you're going to get $50 a month. You're going to get nothing. And it could be a $100,000 bill, but they're like, hey, send us some info. And they're like, oh, wow, that is. Um, With the IRS, absolutely make those payments. But that also uh, we'll talk about in a second how you can end up owing taxes and being in that situation. Because I think as small business owners, it's really a slippery slope paying quarterly estimated taxes, Mm -hmm. having that money and available and ready when the bill comes. And then credit cards is just simply – Minimum payments, I think if uh, you look at your statement, I think it's law now on the back of all your credit card statements. It has, if you pay the minimum payment at this interest rate, it will take you this long to pay off your card. And typically you're like, wow, there's a great chance I'll be dead by then. This is a great strategy, which typically it's not. And then there's that, that's that's a terrible strategy. Yes, yes, it, it's a terrible let's, strategy. Let, let's be clear. Yes. We Sorry. do not don't, advise don't do this. In case no one detects the sarcasm or the. Um, <laughs> and then we also have the if you pay extra, you know how much, how long it'll take, and that's so that's really kind of where we go with that, and we customize it for each individual because sometimes if they've got their IRS repayment plan, they've got their medical repayment plan, great. Let it go. Knock down these higher interest rates, which could also be significantly larger bills. Because typically when uh, we're looking at debt repayment, tax returns, paying taxes, cash flow is the story. Mm. It's all about having sufficient cash flow. We tend to do a great job living at slightly above or only slightly below our means. So in an ideal world, where would we live? In an ideal world, you'd live in a space where you can maintain, where you can save for your retirement goals. A lot of times we talk about, you know, you've got you've got to put 15% towards retirement depending when you start. Sometimes it's as high as 20 or 30%. It's living in a space where your disability income insurance, your medical insurance, all these things can cover your expenses should you lose your job. Um, a lot of people talk about only having 30 to 40 percent of your debt or 30 percent, 40 percent of your income going towards fixed expenses. Um, there's a lot of people that want to be well below that, and there's some people that have no problem living above that. Mm-hmm. The big thing about where we should be living is it's about the amount of risk you want to take. You know, where should we be living in the U.S. right now? Where should we, what should we be doing? You know, do you, you want to go skydiving? You're willing to take more risk, live on the edge? Great, do it. Skydiving has some, you know, safeguards in place to protect you. The guy that jumped out of the plane without the parachute landed in a net, he's living in a different area of risk. <laughs> so it really depends on how stable your finances are, how much you have saved, how far you're towards your goals to really how much of your income you should be living off of. A lot of times... You know, it's you want to stay below 70% of your income because typically in the event of a catastrophe, that's all the income replacement you're going to find. You can't work anymore. How are you going to continue to live? Yeah. Right. So when people are planning things, like this time of year is a great time to really evaluate what they're spending money on and 
how they're going to accomplish their financial goals. Um, from the law side, this is a great time to be putting in place your will, power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, all of the things that are your safety nets in case something happens so someone can act for you. Mm -hmm. um, because even within a married couple, if one person's on the Macy's credit card, mm. but the other one's not, like yeah. that person in the hospital, next thing you know, like the person who's not on the card can't call. They might be able to make the payment, but if there's a problem, if, you know, that's when your introductory offer from Time Warner Cable or Spectrum, whatever they are now, yeah. runs out. And now instead of $80 a month, it's $180 a month. And you're not the one on the bill. They're not going to talk to you. Yeah. So then you're wasting money on silliness that you don't yeah. really need to be wasting money on. Um, so you want to be able to have that flexibility to protect the finances of the marriage and all of that. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. What about, let's say you don't have debt that you're paying off, or you just want to start making sure you have savings or investments. Like, what do you evaluate for that as far as do I put this money into a Roth? Do I buy stock in a managed account? Do I just put it in savings? Like, what are those questions to evaluate? Ben, you want to answer this one for me? Sure, go for it. It depends. <laughs> no, uh, so really what we're looking at a lot of times when we talk about, okay, now there's no debt to pay off or I have debt that is not advantageous for me to pay off. Yeah. And we talk about Roths versus IRAs uh, where or traditional uh, IRAs versus Roth IRAs. A lot of times that's a more in-depth question because what I run into a lot of business owners or even high-earning individuals like, oh, I'll just throw it in my Roth. It's not a big deal. I'm contributing to my 401k. And the conversation quite often is you're not allowed to. There's limitations mm. by the IRS. When you make too much money and you have access to employer plans, you can't contribute to these anymore. And if you do, then it gets real convoluted, and that's where your CPA has a lot more work to do. And then as a financial advisor, I'm trying to reverse transactions. You can pay penalties. Um, typically, as long as you don't need the money liquid and available, retirement accounts are usually the best place to put it. Mm. Um, you get tax-deferred growth. With a Roth IRA, it's totally tax-free as long as laws don't change again. Yeah. With a traditional IRA, it's that tax-deferred growth. It's really a great way to grow it for the future. But then, like you said, buying stocks, managed accounts, other things. And a lot of times when people talk about that, they're talking about what's called non-qualified investments. Mm -hmm. There's no qualifying tax code. And a lot of people contribute to those as well. But that's where we look at, well, when we have to sell, when we have to do things to generate money, what kind of capital gains taxes are those going to create? How will that have effect for the future? And first and foremost, I tell people, you have no money in the bank. Put it in the bank. Yeah. Like you just need money in the bank. So instead of calling me to sell assets out of an investment, whether it's liquid or not, you know, then now we're concerned about is the market up, is the market down? Mm -hmm. Which day last week was it? So are we selling at a loss or selling at a gain? Mm -hmm. You know, because that old adage, buy low, sell high. Well, if you say, hey, I need $10,000 for a roof, all your money's invested, and we're on the way down to the bottom of the market. Yeah. That's why you need some cash available. You get to have it. So mm. it's just long-term wise planning. Right. Yeah. So the market's been going a little crazy last mm, 
couple weeks, right? I haven't noticed. Yeah, you haven't noticed? <laughs> no, no one calling you saying, hey, this is a great time for me to buy more or sell something? Yeah. No. I imagine in your office there's alarms that go off once it starts. Yeah, That's no. kind of what I picture, <laughs> yeah, like a red siren. This yeah, is, just people just start going. running around, freaking out. Yeah. And what's funny is everyone pictures that, and really it doesn't exist in my office. Hmm. In my office, my members, my clients, my customers know why they're invested, how they're invested. They know they're invested in accordance with their risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. And they know that if the market's dropping – they're invested properly so they can handle the drop. We don't have money invested that they can afford to lose right now. Mm-hmm. You know, saying in the history of the market, yeah, it's going to go down. Great. Send us some more money. We'll gladly accept it. Mm-hmm. We'll buy low. And then hopefully, because again, hopefully it's the market. Yeah. History's always <laughs> proven it right. We wait a little while and it'll be above wherever it is today. Yeah. No matter where that is. Yeah. Now the duration we have to wait is different. So we just make sure they have the risk tolerance or the time horizon to be in the market long enough. I mean, my best call last January and again recently this year, same client goes, hey, John, news said I should call you. I'm like, cool, what's going on? Oh, not much. Just sit in a parking lot waiting to pick up my next Uber. It's a retired guy. Uber. And we talk about his family. We talk about his friends. We talk about his kids. Yeah. We have a great conversation. I'm like, you actually worried about the market? He goes, no, I know why I'm how I am. We're good. I just figured it was a great chance to call you. <laughs> and those are the calls I get. There are a couple that, you know, hey, what do you think is going to happen? What to do? Yeah. Do you want to invest more? Or we're, we have some people um, where dollar cost averaging in, which means we're trickling in. Mm-hmm. And if we do see a big dive, we might take that opportunity and say, you know what, today we'll dump it in. But typically we don't even do that. Mm. Or we haven't seen a drop large enough and consistent enough to do that. Because a lot of times, a lot of the investing most people do is end of the day. Mm-hmm. We're looking at mutual funds. We're looking at sub accounts. We're looking at longer term investments that you call me, you say, sell, 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 sell. I'm like, okay, I'll process all your mutual fund transactions. They'll be effective at close of market today. Mm-hmm. And then the market's made up for all. It's lost it the first 10 minutes. Right. So. Yeah. So when you say trickling in, I want to make sure everyone understands that. So trickling in versus just throwing money at something. What do you mean? So a lot of times in investing, you know, like tax returns are the perfect example. Last year, people came to me with their tax returns and said, let's put this back in. Great. We can either dump it all in right at this minute or we can drop it in looking for opportunity. Typically, you take the amount, divide by 12, and invest it into the market over the next 12 months. This is something very commonly uh, done. It's called. It's the way people put in their 401ks, their IRAs. Typically, they say, hey, here's a systematic investment. And through dollar cost averaging, we know we'll hit some high days, we'll hit some low days, but typically in the long run – you get a lower cost per share because we have more investment periods, more samples than that risk of, I drop it in on this day, what if that was the highest day of the year? That's the only day I invested. So we typically spread out investments, especially if they're coming from cash. Now, if they're coming from invested assets, we'll just keep them in the market as we move money from one side to the other. Got it. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a way to strategically spread out your investments. And it's also a way some people, you know, I sit down with some individuals and they're not sure they're ready to be in it. And so it's saying, Mm -hmm. let's just dip our toe in. Let's put a little bit in 
at a time and see how it feels. And then usually a year later I go back and they're like, I haven't looked at my statement yet. I'm like, yeah. cool. So let's do a little more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, uh, I'm guilty of the, how are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess you have been sending those little emails. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Mark has read. Uh, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I should probably go back through there and. Check that out. Mm-hmm. And so Eric's chimed in, and I really like what he's saying. They have separate accounts and a joint account. So he's talking, presume, about him and his wife. Um, joint accounts for all their bills, so they have both have access to it. They can take care of the business. And then the separate accounts are for personal spending money, video games, movies, clothes, etc. And I love this strategy because if a lot of us think about what time in our life were we the absolute best at managing money is it right now as busy professionals with credit cards debit cards lines of credit three bank accounts or was it when we're in college and we had no money or was it when we were 10 year old 10 years old and our parents said here's ten dollars for the week Mm. make it last and so eric sounds like doing a um allowance system almost yeah my bills are covered. I only have X amount of discretionary income. Mm-hmm. And this is where I talked about, like, you know, uh, with uh, Jen's title company. Mm-hmm. Things typically slow down when? Uh, November. Right. So if you only had the title company, mm-hmm. you could say, hey, I'm going to take my tax return if you get one. I'm going to put it aside, and that's how I can pay my employees in those months if I don't have income. Right. That's how I can get me through the low months. As sole proprietors, you know, a landscaper, how is he going to pay his bills if he's not also doing snow clearing or lack of snow clearing? What's going to get him through those months? And a lot of times that's taking our tax return and setting it aside or for the people that just, you know, let's be honest. There's a lot of individuals in America that really struggle to live below their means mm-hmm. oh, because yeah. of income. Mm-hmm. You know, minimum wage on the East Coast, and then you're going to live in Rhode Island, New York, you know, some of these expensive places to live, and it's a struggle. Well, take that tax return, put it in your bank account, and then systematically transfer it to your checking once a month mm-hmm. to act as income. Yeah. Here's an extra $200 a month. Here's an extra $100 a month. Those months when you might make less or more, or if you can't survive at your income level, yeah. it could really help. Right. What about having joint credit? Like from a legal perspective, I don't, I like to see married couples, especially if there's a, I'm going to pick a Home Depot card and a Macy's card. Home Depot only in one person's name, Macy's only in one person's name, um, and keep as much unsecured credit separate as possible. Um, that's Compartmentalized, from a, sort of. Yeah, yeah, it's a legal perspective of if somebody would, you know, get eaten by a bear. And this every a lot. I know. Apparently. Ter- terrible. <laughs> a lot um, of bears here. Lots of bears in Ohio. Or I just don't <laughs> camp and, you know, it's not really a risk. Um but if something would happen and one of the people would pass away, if everything transfers automatically to the surviving spouse and all we have is unsecured debt only in the decedent's name, I'm not super worried about it. 
because there's no probate estate for them to collect from, generally speaking. So I like to basically diversify risk. Same thing like for doctors, lawyers, people who can't get rid of personal liability. Mm -hmm. It's very common for them to just keep the house in their spouse's name. Yeah. Their salary pays for it. Yeah. But they will often take that asset out of their name even though it's theirs but it's kind of not just as a protection because if there's ever personal liability against them – that house is protected. Yeah. So they can't just, you know, so a judgment creditor can't just come attach that judgment to that asset. When you're planning for fin- finances, though, that might be a different strategy because you're wanting to build credit for basically the business of the marriage and make sure debt is handled. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> It depends. <laughs> no. So with that, a lot of that really is when we get into the legal planning, when we are trying to build credit, when we are trying to do uh, situations such as that, you know, raise one spouse's credit the other, a lot of times you end up having joint. And that's where quite often insurance comes in. Yeah. Making sure, you know, you have the right amount of auto insurance, property casualty, an umbrella policy if required for your net worth or your asset level. Um, and then the right amount of life insurance. If you have debt that you've both signed for together, mm-hmm. you should probably have the proper amount of insurance on the other spouse that, you know, sometimes we have homes where, you know, we'll just use hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. There's basically three things we see quite often. Someone's making nothing. Someone's making a hundred thousand. The person making nothing has substantial value as a homemaker, as a caretaker, typically. Sure. Then we have the 50-50. They're both out in the workforce making Mm $50,000. And then we have like a 70-30 split. And so sometimes you find that the individual making more can pay off the debts or wants to pay off the debts or, you know, isn't concerned. While it's the opposite where the other individual would really be struggling to get by should something happen to the higher income earner. Yeah. Um, And the other thing I run into all the time is quite often – um, because more individuals than not have not worked with a financial advisor, have not mm-hmm. worked with a lawyer, the bills start coming in after a death and they just start paying all the bills. Right. They don't realize or in their situation, maybe an estate will be created because they didn't have beneficiaries transfer on death, the proper planning done, or I don't want to say the proper, but they didn't have planning done to avoid these things. Mm-hmm. And so they do get to be paid off if you want to keep the house. You know, house, house is going to the estate because, you know, Susie bought it when she was 20 years old. Bob moved in. They never changed it. Mm-hmm. Well, now Susie passes. The house is just going to the estate. They're married. He'll get it, but it's not transfer or anything like that. But then there's also $50,000 in student loans Mm. that are dropping into the estate or stuff like that or an Mm -hmm. auto loan or credit debt. So so you've got to clean the estate up. Yeah. Right, because if not, it just hangs out there. Um, Hence, good reasons to have a little look-see with a financial advisor and attorney from time to time anyways. Yeah, smart idea. Yeah, very important. Um. What are other considerations that, like, when you first meet with someone and they're kind of wanting to give you an overview, why do you have to look at everything? Like, I, I people ask me this all the time. Like, why do you need to know 
where all my accounts are, what they are. Like, I don't necessarily need to know amounts as a lawyer because... Well, from a complete layperson's perspective, I would imagine, so you have a lay of the land. Right. So you know Mm -hmm. what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, oh, surprise, there's this other account where, you know, it's a huge amount of debt or something like that. And oopsie-daisy didn't know about that, you know, or whatever it is. Right. Or I run into... um, Recently, a lot of people who have purchased mortgage payoff insurance. So what that is is when one person dies, the mortgage gets paid off. Okay. Okay. Could seem like a good idea. The problem with that is if one person dies in a couple, you may not want to keep that house. Yeah, very you true. You might not be able to maintain it by yourself. Yeah, very true. Um, and then you have no liquid. Like... That person's income has stopped. You don't have to make a house payment anymore, but there's no income for anything else either. Yeah. Um, and often you're paying a lot of money for an insurance product with an ever-decreasing payout because as you pay off your mortgage, oh, yeah. your payout decreases versus getting some life insurance from John and then you can make your monthly mortgage payments until you figure out... Am I going to keep the house? Let's keep some liquid capital here. Let's do this, that, you know, you're right. de- deciding how to best manage the money. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, it's Supplying when... some simple strategy to the whole thing. Right. Or and... maybe not so simple. I don't know. I, I don't do what John does, so I don't know how simple it is. But I don't know. It always seems complicated. <laughs> I mean, it's making my head spin right seems now. Seems pretty simple so. to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, okay. And I think one of the conversations, too, today to talk about, especially as, you know, our sphere of influence is a lot of business owners, Mm -hmm. is it's not always a tax return. Right. Sometimes you owe. Yeah. Anyone in this room pay quarterly estimated taxes, maybe? I do. Oh, wait, that's everybody? No, yeah. Now, because (laughs) Because annual taxes. I was working with an accountant who may have missed that. (laughs) And then. you know, hey, should I be paying anything? No, you're fine. Hey, should I be paying anything? No, you're fine. Oh, God. Tax return, $8,000. You mean <laughs> tax debt. Tax debt, yeah. <laughs> tax owed. Taxes owed. I'm like, that's owed. amazing. You're oh, not no, paying 8, anything. No, no, no. $8,000 owed. Like, that's great surprise. That's a kick in the teeth. And it's yeah. something I see more often than not with small business owners or contractors, 1099 employees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're not getting taxes withheld for you. Right. So when you, you know, all of a sudden that 1099 shows up because the business is required to cut it. Yeah. Um, I actually recently heard kind of a horror story uh, with a CPA that worked with um, – a specialty group of people that do a lot of special duty, a lot of overtime, and the CPA is like, and I forget exactly the numbers, but basically it was the gist of, oh, make sure whatever your duty is is under $600 in occurrence because you'll never owe taxes. And I was like, no, I don't believe that's correct. <laughs> Quickly referred them to my CPA. And whatever the limit the previous one said, that was the annual limit. Uh. So, and the key being, sometimes when we contract, you don't get a 1099 because it's under the amount that as an employer I have to pay, you know, I have to cut a 1099 for. Yeah. The government's not going to say you have 
300 people that worked one event for two hours, you don't have to cut 300 1099s, but it's still their responsibility to report it as income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if my books are audited by the IRS and they see that, they can go to your tax returns and say, you didn't report that income. And so what I talk about with a lot of business owners, a lot of 1099 employees is pick a percentage, work with your CPA. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I randomly picked 30% a long time ago because I get to pay quarterly estimated for myself, my business, Social Security, employee taxes, et cetera, et cetera, taxes, Medicaid, Rita. I mean, there's a a lot of taxes to be paid. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Why having a CPA is so important. And basically, I always have the money to pay whatever taxes come up. At the end of the year, maybe I have a surplus. Yeah. But I would much rather be in those shoes than, hey, quarterly estimated taxes are due. Here's your whatever thousand, hundred dollar bill, whatever the bill's for. Yeah. It's time to pay it or pay penalties. Right. And a lot of businesses uh, seem to really struggle Oh, we've been in business for a year, and then we went under. Why? I didn't have the taxes to pay. Yeah. Well, and then a lot of people, like, you can't ignore this and it goes away. Right. A lot of people love to put their head in the sand, and if I ignore it, it goes away. Yeah. It doesn't. (laughs) The IRS is, they're pretty good about keeping on things. Well, and it's not just the IRS. It's, you know, the state of Ohio, or which gets turned into the Ohio Attorney General, which is technically the largest law firm in the state of Ohio. Um, And they will come after you, and then they'll send stuff to collection agencies, and that's all affecting everything you do. So you can't ignore it, or else it will come back to bite you in the backside. Um, Like a bear. Like a bear. Like a bear. Because, you know, we love the the bears. (laughs) So, you know, I had a a friend of mine who does started off doing freelance work similar to to what we do here. It was not me. but um, And for the first year or so that he was doing freelance as sort of his primary thing, wasn't charging tax on top of the stuff that he was doing. And and did not realize that this was the case until, like, he submitted his taxes. And it turns out that it was, like... I want to say it was like $15,000 or something like that that he suddenly owed. And it was just like, ouch, you know, that's, that's a kick in the teeth. So yeah. 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 Be proactive. Keep your head out of the sand. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Good. Anything else we should think about with tax returns coming back or being owed? Uh, We actually just got a question from Jason, uh, who's asking if we have any CPAs that we recommend for small businesses and... We do. We can actually send those out. Yeah, we'll, we we'll send, send those out to you. Yeah, we'll send those out to you. It's uh, We don't want to mention it necessarily on air. Just, just favoritism we haven't that sort of cleared thing. that so. with them. But, yeah, but good we'll... question. Yes. Um, but I think the big thing come tax time is it's a great opportunity to look at your planning. A lot of people sit down right before taxes are due and maybe again after because before you file your return, you can still contribute to some types of retirement accounts for last year. It's a great time to check in and revisit your insurance as an annual check-in for Mm -hmm. whatever types of insurance you have. It's a great time to renegotiate cable bills. It's a great time to refresh if you're a business owner what's going on with your lawyer. Sometimes we have that money available. If we owed, sometimes planning can be done. Hey, let's Let's up your withholdings. Let's change your deductions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Say, realistically, this should be kind of like um, daylight savings time is the time to check the batteries in your fire or your smoke detectors and all of that. Same idea, tax return time 
should be your triggering event to go, what's working, what's not Yeah. in my financial, legal side of my life. Yeah. And I guess just kind of general question, when should people start thinking about taxes? I Sooner mean, rather than later. Yes, like January or before? I would say... I would say we should, sort of think January ourselves, but I, I mean, think I, the day they get a job, they should start thinking about yeah. taxes. I mean, realistically, you want to start planning for the next year, right? In January, um, for your average W two employee, those are required to be sent out by the end of January. So February is the time that should trigger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have everything I need from my you know, interest statements, W-2s, all of those things. Now I can look at my taxes. Mm. And from a planning standpoint, really, you know, so for 2017 taxes, which are now getting filed, we're working with people in November heavily to start yeah. saying, you know, how can we maximize brackets, conversions, what things can we do, right. how much profit will the business have, how much do you want to show with your CPA, and it's working in tandem with your CPA before things get really busy, because quite often with a lot of business owners, we get to say, hey, how much are you going to show in income, because what do you want to do for your goals? You know, a lot of CPAs say, oh, well, we're just going to show you at a loss for 10 years in a row, and then you go buy a house, and the mortgage company's like, you have no income, that doesn't get to happen. Right. Or you go claim a social security check, and they're mm-hmm. like, you had $3,000 in earnings for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and not saying, you know, CPAs take it that far, but some may and could legally, totally legitimate, saving you the maximum amount every single year on your taxes, but also know there's repercussions for showing the lowest amount of income possible for business owners. Yeah. There's advantages and repercussions. So it's yeah. it's a conversation that really starts before the CPAs and before the planners get busy this time of year with everyone saying, hey, I've got to drop money in. I want to do last year uh, deductions. I want to add some money to last year accounts. I want to do my reviews. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, great. Well, John, thank you for coming in today. How can everyone get a hold of you? Everyone get a hold of me. Uh, we're on, uh, if you Google the Thrivent Grove City office, we're on Facebook. We are on the World Wide Web, uh, Thrivent.com, Connect, Jonathan Grollo. Um, Facebook, Jonathan Grollo, Thrivent, uh, Thrivent Financial as well. Because no one's going to misspell Grollo at all. Right. <laughs> and also the easiest way is typically call the amazing Jane, who uh, runs my calendar, runs half of the business at 614-567-7141. We'll be happy to schedule time, sit down, and answer the it depends for you questions. Awesome. Right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to Ben's joke of the week. Oh, he's got it. He's ready. <laughs> I spent about... A quarter of the episode looking for it. Which, ah, yeah. truth comes yeah, out. Yeah, well. Um, so before we get to that well I made Valentine's joke, before. You did so, make yeah. Valentine's. So I don't want to hear like I'm ill-prepared right, here. No, so, yeah. you, you went on the Valentine's. Good job. Uh, so first, our housekeeping. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook. That is our primary landing page where you can comment, get news, ask questions, or suggest topics for future episodes. If you are already following us, thank you. We love you. You can also follow Boxland Media as well. We do lots of things up to and including putting out the fine print with Attorney General out every single week. Uh, you can find us at boxlandmedia.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, social media, platforms. Just kind of do a general search. And if it says 
at Boxland Media and some variety. That's us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. 614-505-0674. Great. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We hope you come back. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you could take a few minutes out of your very busy day. Head over to iTunes and rate and review us. It helps us out with our visibility on the world's largest podcast repository. And likes and comments while we're doing a live broadcast, too. We really appreciate it, and we want to say thank you to everybody who's tuned in today, uh, including Jason, Eric, uh, Gina, uh, let's see, Jessica and uh, Timothy. There's a few other folks who tuned in yeah. too. So thank Olga, you very much. Karen, Bob. Hey, all good to see you guys. Yeah, and thank Tim. You. Hi, Tim. Yep. So <laughs> good to see you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I do have uh, this week's lawyer joke of the week. Can't or, or, wait. It's not actually a lawyer joke. I should say that. It We've is, switched to fact, joke of the week because all the lawyer joke jokes the are the same insulting. And not all of them are question answers anymore. This week is an example of. Uh, sort of more of a saying, a, an amusing saying. Oh. Um, a fool and his money are soon parted. The rest of us wait until income tax time. <laughs> yes. So. Very nice. Well, until next time, I'm Ben Edenthal. And I'm Attorney Jen Rout, reminding you that ignorance of the law excuses no man from following it. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. This program is meant to be informative in nature does not constitute actual legal advice or form an attorney-client relationship in any way. Views and opinions stated in this program are solely the views and opinions of the speaker. Each situation is different. Always consult an attorney in your state to analyze your specific legal needs. This program may change your views of attorneys in general, as they are not what they seem on TV. I mean, seriously, could the main character in Suits actually exist in real life? Boxland Media. Think big.